right. Now it's time to introduce our wonderful speaker, Vicki Gagné. Vicki uh, is a native-born Texan, but began a new life in 1975 when the Lord pulled her from a miry pit and set her feet upon the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. And he gave her a new song to sing that others might come, see, and trust in the Lord Jesus. She has been married for 37 sweet years to Mike Gagnier, who is a physician and teaches ophthalmology residence at the University of Cincinnati. They live in the Cincinnati area, where they fellowship in the Northern Hills Bible Chapel, where Mike is an elder. They have four grown children, two son-in-loves, I love that, a daughter-in-love, and three delightful grandboys, Micah, Caleb, and Aiden, two little granddaughters, Josie and Violet. Vicki does dramatic presentations of women from the ancient ages to present age to various groups around the country and internationally for almost 20 years. She has received training in drama from the College Conservatory of Music through a private drama coach. I don't know how many of you were here last year when she gave her interpretation of Corey Ten Boom. When she walked in the room, I truly thought it was Corey Ten Boom. How many of you saw that? Yeah. And this is a gift. This is such a gift from the Lord to be able to do this. And um, so you'll want to come to the very last outpost as well, and hopefully all of them in between, where, where she's going to be doing some of this again. So um, we just love you, Vicki, and I love Jesus out of your face. I see it. It's right there. So God bless you. Everybody welcome, please. But I got to tell you, this past week I felt like the hound dog. It has been a week. I tell you what, this text of Satan and the impending doom has just been there. And yesterday was the top of the cake. I was on my way to see the hip doctor, and I did a stupid mistake and went out of line in, in, a, in my car, and I hit the other car. Policeman was so nice. He said, "He said I've got good news for you. I've got I've got bad news for you. I've got good news for you." And I said, "Okay." And he goes, "The good news, bad news is your car tags are expired." Aww. He said, "The good news, I'm not going to tow your car." <laughs> I said, "Thank you. They are paid for." I went home and I paid them. I still don't have the tags on. So if you see a policeman dragging me off outside, <laughs> rescue me. Come and bound me out of jail. Tell you on the way, and then I went to the doctor, and I've been battling a hip problem for like since October. And at the at his office, and going through PT and trying to figure out what's going on, he said, "Yeah, he said the bone is torn away, or the muscle is torn away from the bone, the tendon is torn away from the bone." So he said, "We we can do surgery. It's not a guarantee it will work because it's kind of a rare thing, and you would have something that's rare." Uh, I tell you, Lord is good though, is he not? He is good. And I want you to know that I have prayed for every single one of you. Maybe not by name, because I don't know you by name, but I have prayed for your souls. 
if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that your hearts will be encouraged by what I speak with you about. And, and if you don't know the Lord, I pray that your hearts will be pricked and that you won't leave this place without coming to know him, to having that peace that passes all understanding. As Corey said, shalom, it's God's peace. And God's peace can only come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, before we start, let's, I know we prayed, but you never pray too much, can you? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just do thank you for this time together. And Lord, we thank you that you are a faithful God, and we thank you that this is not our home. These are not our bodies. They are only temporal. And this the struggle, the battle that we have right here, Father, is for your glory. And Lord, that we can do all things through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You, Father, are the faithful one. And Lord, I pray that you would help the one who speaks. Lord, may I direct these sweet souls to you. And Lord, may they see you and not me. May they see your mercy, love, and your care, and your grace. And Lord, may you be honored through this all. Lord. Again, bless each soul here, and may you be glorified through it. And we ask these things in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen. Just a little louder. As I work at the Creation Museum, and on the, these, these microphones, my, my, not my boss, my leader, coordinator, he says, use your theatrical voice. I cannot hear you. So can you hear me now? In, in Mark 5, there was a man who was, who was demon-possessed. He lived among the tombs. He was naked. They had tried to chain him. They had tried to keep him, but he could not be changed. He would break them. And no one could do anything with this man. No one. Until that man saw Jesus. And he went running to him. And God healed him of all the demons that he had in him. And there he stood when the, when, the, when the townspeople came back and they saw this man fully clothed and in his right mind and they were amazed. I love that story. But what I love even more was in the fact, in the very, at the very end of it, at the very end of that story, it says the man comes and he begs Jesus to go with him. But Jesus says, no, you stay here. And you tell your family and your friends the mercy that God has shown you. And that's what I get to do. I, I, you know, I am the, I'm the one in college who, who dropped out of my speech class five minutes before I gave my first speech. <laughs> I'm the one who took music and, I, and I, the, the professor had to stop me to tell me to breathe. <coughs> but God likes to use the, the foolish to confound the wise. And I just, I sit and I'm amazed. I mean, just hearing Barb talk about, you know, what God's done. I, I got teary-eyed and just, that I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a normal family. It's a normal, I just love that. You see, I didn't come from a, a, a Christian family. I came from a dysfunctional family. And I'm not going to give you all the details to it. You don't need to know all the details. <clears throat> but it was dysfunctional. And I grew up in that. But 
God so richly uses that even today for His glory. And I praise Him for that. When I graduated from high school, I took a few college courses, couldn't figure out what I wanted to do, so I decided to join the Air Force. Yes, I'm going to see the world. Yes. And I saw Andrews Air Force Base, which is in Washington, D.C. That's not quite the world I wanted to see. (laughs) But the Lord was, uh, it was interesting. It was an interesting time. If you could see that woman then and this woman now, I was a women's liver. There wasn't anything that a man couldn't do that I couldn't do better. And I I literally, I remember at times having, um, because in tech school you had to, there was a, a green rope, a yellow rope, and a red rope. I was a red rope. And that, that was in charge of the whole shift, two or three hundred women. And oftentimes they would come to my, my office and they would, be sh- they would be shaking in their boots. And I, I, I still am amazed to see the difference in the two of us. But God took me to Andrews Air Force Base, and on that base I was in the, Andrews at the Malcolm Grove Medical Center, which is a, the hospital there. And I was different places throughout the, uh, throughout, I did forget to tell you that when I was about 16, I had an older cousin who shared the gospel with me. And I, as a foolish young 16-year-old, said, oh, you know, getting saved is like making a dress. Sometimes you start with the hem, sometimes you start with the sleeve, but you all end up with a dress. Well, stupid me, I didn't sew. (laughs) But I will tell you that that woman continued to pray for me. And I found out later, and although I don't think she ever knew that I got saved, I was told that she kept me in her prayers until she died. And I praise God for the prayer. So never stop, never give up praying for your, for your lost relatives and friends. Well, okay, I'm back at Malcolm, Malcolm Grove Medical Center. I was stationed at different places. ER, the VIP ward, which is really a cool place to be because you've got the presidential suite. <laughs> it's kind of fun. And, uh, and most of the time I was on the medical wards. Here I was, about a young girl, about 19, and... Um, Never seen death before. And there was a, a, a 26-year-old dependent who was dying of cancer. And I went in to take her blood pressure. The children were at the foot of the bed. The father, the, father, the husband was standing next to them. And, and as I took her blood pressure, it dropped. Now, I knew what that meant. But I, I puffed it up again. I thought, surely I'm, I'm not doing this right. She, she had died. In those brief seconds, she died. And I saw death for the first time, and it scared, oh, it scared me. And I left that room, and I didn't come back. And I began to just, there was a, I think it was Cal, uh, Cooper who talked about the hounds of heaven chasing him. And the hound of heaven began to chase me, and I began to run. And I began to try to fill that up with drugs and with drinking. <clears throat> and, it, and it does help. It does help when you're high, when you're, when you're drunk. It does, it does help. But when you come off of it, you're as low as when you first started drinking. And I remember having a... Now, I'm not sure this was a suicidal attempt, but I took a drug, some overdose, and <clears throat> ended up in the... <clears throat> sorry ended up in the hospital and 
they kind of kept me in there for a while and kind of just seeing what was going on. And, and uh, they just said, well, we, we think maybe you need a change of pace, so we'll give you the option to get out. So I decided to get out, and I decided to take the medical discharge. And took the medical discharge, went back home, started working at a hemodialysis clinic there in Dallas, Texas. And uh, one of the, uh, an elder at the church where I attended later was uh, one of the doctors there. And, and I just remember there was, a, there was a patient. His name was Charlie. He was a Dallas policeman. And Charlie was a Christian. And when you're on those machines, you're on those machines for five to six hours. So we had a lot of time to talk. And we usually had two to three patients, so you're interacting a lot. And he could see that I was struggling. <clears throat> and he began to share the gospel with me. And I would say, oh, Charlie, I'm okay. Now, I went to church. I was there on Sunday mornings, but I may have been drunk the night before, but I was at church the next morning. I wasn't sure why I was there, but I was there. And Charlie just began to pray for me. Now I had Charlie praying for me, and I had my older cousin praying for me. I'm coming. You're coming off. You're I so took sweet. my shoes off so you couldn't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Where was I? I have ADHD, so it's... Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. So Charlie began to pray for me. My older cousin was praying for me. And I was seeking more and just sinking more and more into depression. And I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it tonight ended up um, attempting suicide. <coughs> ended up in Parkland Memorial Hospital. That was my first visit there. And they worked with me a bit. And, and they, I came out, went back to work, and I began to see a psychiatrist along the same time on a regular basis. And he, uh, and so, but I was sinking more and more to depression. And, but Charlie was praying for me. And, and my older cousin was praying for me. But I was sinking more and more depression. I was, I was trying to fill my life with drugs and with drinking. But instead of filling it with the only thing that can satisfy us, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Charlie knew that. And he, he prayed that oh, faithfully for me. And one day I, just, I was seeing the psychiatrist and I just decided to end it all. So I asked the psychiatrist, I said I was having trouble sleeping. So he ended up giving me a very drug, uh, a very strong sleeping uh, pills. 30, 30 days supply. Now I can't believe that a physician would give somebody that has suicidal tendencies sleeping medication. I, I really think he was giving me permission. I think he was giving me permission. And I took every single one of those pills. Now, I don't have, know how I ended up, but I ended up back in Parkland Memorial Hospital. It is a county hospital. It is a hospital where if you kill somebody, they send you there to evaluate you. So you are with the scum of the earth. You are with people that you want to sleep with one eye open and one eye closed. It was a terrible place. And I, and I couldn't seem to shake it. And they, the more they dealt with me, the more they, they, they began to see that, you know, and I found out much later that they were planning to send me off to a statement institution. 
and I, I shudder now to think of that, but on that ward I had a lot of time to think. I had a lot of time to think about what God was doing in my life. What God, who God was, and who I was. It's interesting because Job, I, I, I love the story of Job. And, and I always like to mention Mrs. Job because Mrs. Job, people give her a hard time. But ladies, this woman just lost every single one of her children. And then she couldn't even embrace her husband to be comforted by him. She couldn't comfort him. And she was, a, she was desperate. And that's why she said, why don't you just curse God and die? But Job, he reprimanded her. And I, I can picture Mrs. Job now because she steps back and she kind of, she kind of, she stops and she listens and she waits. And she waits on God. Because in the end, there are only two people that are never rebuked, and that's Elihu and Mrs. Job. I think God understood the pain she was going through. And so that's a little side issue. But anyway, so back to Job. i got to defend her every time I get a chance. Um, yes. <laughs> Anyway, Job. You know, Job, I love the book of Job because Job was a righteous man, yes, but then he began to really start to feel like, why is this happening to me? This shouldn't be happening to me. You know, but in the end, God says, and I love this, God says, where were you when I made that? Where were you? You go through that whole thing and, and you read that and you can see yourself there. You see, God was showing Job Job's heart, but at the same time, Job was seeing God's heart. And in the end, Job fell down on his knees before God and began to praise him and worship as he had never worshipped him before. And when I was on that womb, that ward, it is a womb, kind of, isn't it? When I was on that ward, God began to show me my vile heart, my wicked heart. And then he began to show me his heart. And I began to remember the things that Charlie had said about God and how he loved me and he cared for me and he wanted me to show his grace and mercy to me. He desires that for me. Ladies, God is a holy God. He demands perfection. He demands sinlessness before him. He demands no one can be in heaven. No one can be in heaven who has sin. But God knew that you couldn't be perfect. He knew that you couldn't be sinless. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, God born in the flesh, to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And that if you'll believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be forever with him. I do dynamite readers at the Creation Museum, and I have three to eight-year-olds, and I talk about them. And I, I, and I tell them, I said, you know, it's like you did something wrong and you have to have a spanking. And I said, I step in and I decide I'm going to take your punishment for you. The kids love that. They identify with that. And I tried that with my oldest, my oldest daughter, and she was, and I said, I want, I said, you deserve a spanking, and I want you to give me the spanking. Oh, she cried. Oh, she cried. And she was, oh, she couldn't, and I, she finally did it. And, but she understood what that was to, for somebody to take their punishment. Now, I tried that same thing with my second one. That didn't work as well. 
but she's the one who's going to Zambia. <laughs> she's got that personality, and please pray for her. She's going to be leaving tonight uh, for Zambia, and uh, she's going to be there for about two months working with orphan kids. She's an ER nurse, so she, she has a passion for Africa. She's been there numerous times, and I can see her, I can see the Lord taking her back there. But anyway, so where was I? Mm-hmm. See, I got ADHD. I got to do something about it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, so God, thank you. <laughs> good. I need somebody. God is so good. You know, when I do my scripts, if, if, this is a little secret. If I ever forget one of my lines, I use that phrase, God is so good. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And then I remember what I'm supposed to say. I think God likes to be told he's good. He likes to be praised, doesn't he? Well, anyway, on that ward, I began to see my vile, wicked heart, but I began to see his loving heart. And that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for Vicky. For God so loved Vicky that he gave his only begotten son that Vicky would have eternal life and live forever with him. Praise God. You know, to come out of such an abnormal family into such a, you know, into, into his loving arms, I tell you what, it just, it, it, it gives me the, it still gives me goose pimples today. And I, I love being reminded of who he is and who I am. I am still, I, if you could see my heart, you would probably not like me very well. And you know, the Lord, he sees my heart, but he loves me still. My name is written on the palms of his hand. Well, when I began to see my heart and his heart, I fell on my knees on that psychiatric ward, and I just, I gave him my heart, and I gave him all my sins, because frankly, that's all I had to give to him was my sins. That's all I had to give. I had nothing else good to give him. And he took them. And I love how Corey says she cast them into the deepest sea. And the Bible doesn't say it, but he put a sign up that says, No fishing is allowed. (laughs) (laughs) Satan Satan likes to remind us of those things. And I tell you what, Satan's been having havoc with me all week with this impending doom and things happening. I just wondered if the floor was going to drop in or the ceiling going to come in. Whatever, but God, you know what? When he gives us a story like the man that was healed, when he gives you a story, you go and you tell it. I don't care if you're stammering, stuttering, whatever. Say it. Tell it. If it's to one person, if it's to a whole group of people, tell your story. There is no, there is, none of us are more dramatic than the other. The fact that he pulls us out of a a miry pit and sets our feet upon a rock, should be praised and gives us a new song to sing and we should sing that song that others should see and fear and believe and it was on that war that I began to trust him I began I saw him I feared him and I trusted him and it's interesting because the staff began to began to kind of look at me a little different they say well you don't seem as Something's kind of different here. So they, they, they decided to do some more testing, and then they came back and said, I don't know what the problem or what the deal is, but you seem to be just pretty normal. <laughs> I go, yep. God is He is. Well, they let me go home. And I went back to the psychiatrist, and, 
And I told him what happened to me. I told him how I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And he just kind of said, well, he said, you know, well, we all need a crutch, don't we? And I go, well, you're not it. <laughs> and I stopped going to him, and God has been so faithful. I mean, a month later, I met the man of my dreams. I never thought I would get married. Coming from a dysfunctional family, I never wanted to get married. I just, I saw what that was like, and I didn't want that. But he came along, and we really didn't like each other at first. <laughs> but after, you know, and then we started, we uh, started talking with each other, and he ended up getting saved. And then we got engaged for three years, and then we were, in, we dated for three months, engaged for three years, and that about Facebook. And then uh, God has so miraculously given us these four children. And, uh, you know, we, we, are no, we are just a normal family, and I love that. I, I love that. It, it's interesting because um, about, I guess when I was about 44, I began to, I had given my testimony at a ladies' retreat, and so one of the ladies came back and said, uh, I want you to come back next year and let your creative juices roll and come back and just do something. And the more I thought about it, I love to read biographies. But when we read biographies, they're only one-dimensional. And to be able to bring that person into three dimensions, it just brings it more alive. We're all visual people. We love to see that. And uh, so I, I think my first character, I think my first character, it's not a character, they're people. I, my first one was Corey Ten Boom, and then I, I, I did her, and then I picked up Fanny Crosby along the way, and I love Fanny. Each one of these women have taught me so many. Each one of these women have been ministered to me over the years. And Fanny Crosby, Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, Anna of Luke 2, uh, the Titanic woman. I, and I've just been listening to, to uh, Evidence Not Seen. Has anybody read that book, Evidence Not Seen, by Darlene Dobler Rose? She was in the constant, she was in a camp, uh, a Japanese camp during World War II. It is a hard book. I've been listening to it in the car. And it's a hard thing to, but I've been thinking about, you know, praying about doing her possibly. But all, each one of these women have just ministered to me in so many ways. And I do remember that when I got saved and, and came out and I began to attend the church where the, uh, the doctor where I worked um, was an elder there. And, um, there was a woman, Ruth, and she took all the young women under her wing and she began to disciple them. And I also needed that discipling and just grew underneath that woman and she taught me the Word of God and she taught me that in the Word of God is, is our comfort, is how we get to know the Lord. It says, there's a verse that says, be still and know that am I, am I, that I am God. And how we know that is through his word. We have a powerful book, the Bible. And, and I'm not discounting any other books. That I, I, I have over 600 books in my Kindle. <laughs> so I'm not discounting them at all. But if we start putting that book before the word of God, there's a problem there. Because the word of God is where we find comfort. The verse that, the psalm that so ministered to me when I got saved that summer of 1975. And I'm gonna, and I read the story a few years back where this man was walking through a graveyard and he had on, on his uh, 
tomb, he was walking through, and there was a tombstone that had fallen down. That's what, and he went and he pulled it back up again. And when he read the inscription, it was the gospel, and he got saved from the inscription of that tombstone. I thought, oh, ladies, this is the last thing we have to say. You better be good. And Psalm 40 is going to be on my tombstone. I've got to start saving my money now. <laughs> and it's got to be at the entrance of the cemetery. And it's going to be big. Psalm 40. It speaks, it speaks where I came from, where I was. And I'm not going to read you the whole psalm, but just bits and pieces of it. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to hear me. And to hear my cry, although, ladies, it was the Lord that was patient with me, not me. I was not patient. But he drew me up out of the pit of destruction, out of a miry pit. And I'm telling you, that, that, that psychiatric ward was a miry pit, physically. But spiritually, I was in a pit. And he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and trust, put their trust in the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? To see, to fear, and to put their trust in the Lord. It says, on down in 9, it says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation, and behold, I have not restrained my lips. As you know, Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and of your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will forever preserve me. But many who seek you and rejoice and be glad in you, may those who love, their, love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. To this day, we have the Lord Jesus Christ. But those in here who know him, I pray that you would draw near to him, that you would know him as you have never known him before. For those of you who do not know him as your Savior, who do not have that peace that passes understanding, you know who you are. You know you don't have that peace. I pray that you will see God's mercy and grace, that you will witness his presence in your life. I, I love the story of the woman at the well because Jesus, he, he just happened to go through Samaria. Well, we know <coughs> Jesus just doesn't happen to do anything, does he? And he's there, and he sends his disciples into town to get the food. And the Sumerians and Jews didn't get along very well. You know, and here comes this Samaritan woman in the middle of the day. She's not coming when the other women are coming because she's not well thought of in the town. She's not. And women just probably talked about her behind the back, and she knew it. And she, she, was, she was not a woman that they wanted to be friends with. But Jesus begins to hold this conversation with her, and he tells her things that he hadn't even told her disciples yet. And then she begins to realize who he is, and she leaves her jar, and she goes running back to town to tell the people who has come. And you know what? They listened. 
Now, there's, so, there's two th- amazing things here. The one that she wants to go back to tell these people who have treated her like dirt. She wants to share that news with them. See, when the love of God comes in your heart, you, 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 all the bitterness, all the unforgiveness goes out. And you want, to just, you want everyone to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. And she went back and she told him, and the people were listening to her. Because they saw this woman something that was different. They had never seen in her before. And many, they said, many believed on the, on the Lord Jesus Christ because of her testimony. And it adds in there, because he's told me everything that I've done. And the scripture doesn't say it, but I say, and he loved her still. And she felt that love. Oh, Ladies, if you are that woman at the well today, I pray that you would not leave this place until you know and understand the love that he has for you. We are so blessed. Satan would like to keep you out. He would like to, he would like to, dis, to distract you in any way he can. He's been trying to do it all week long. It's a battle that we have on this. For those who know him, it's a battle that we're in right now. And the times are getting tougher and tougher. And we're going to see things that we have never seen before in the years to come. And we need to be prepared for that. We need to prepare that God will give us the strength to go through whatever we go through. One of the books I've never been able to get through is Fox's Book of Martyrs. Whenever I start feeling a little prideful, I read a chapter out of it, and it kind of knocks me down a few notches, several notches. But I know that those men and women who were burned at the stake had their hands lifted up, praising God, and they were burned in that position. God will give the grace to go through what we need to go through and we need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters overseas who are suffering persecution. Right now, we're not suffering it. And ladies, I'm sorry, my microwave going out or me hitting the car yesterday is not persecution. (laughs) My hip problem is not persecution. Those people are having to to stand and, and to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And they are getting their heads cut off for it. But praise God that when, when Stephen was, when was martyred, who was, Jesus is always sitting at the right hand of the Father. He stood to receive his spirit. And that's what we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. My, my mentor is Betty McGeehy. I don't know if anybody knows her, but she was in Cincinnati. I love her. She is with the Lord now, but she was so mad because everybody was dying before her, (laughs) and she was ready to go home. But I remember once she said, I was telling her, I said, you know, Lord, I said, Betty, sometimes the Lord shows me my heart and I can't stand to look at myself in the mirror. And she said, Eddie's not showing your whole heart to you either. (laughs) She was right. She was right. God is merciful enough not to show us our whole heart. But at the same time, she said, if I can remember anything that Betty has told me, she said, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And when you fix your eyes on Jesus, you will just naturally reflect him like a mirror. You will naturally reflect him to others. 
Because it's not <coughs> you they want to see. They want to see Jesus in us. Ladies, it's not about you or me. It's about Him and what He's done. And we need to share that with as many people as we can. It has been such a blessing to be here with you. And Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you, Father, that you are a faithful God, a loving God, a merciful God, that you are kind. Your kindness, Father, you, you have given us so much. And Lord, if only you gave us our salvation, Lord, that would be enough, that you have pulled us up and put our feet upon a rock and gave us a new song to sing. And Lord, may we sing that song with praise. And Lord, you, you deserve the praise. And Lord, if these women walk away thinking only of me, Lord, do not let that be. Lord, I pray that they would see you and that you would receive the praise. And Lord, if I, I should only, we should all only point others to you and not to ourselves. And Lord, you are faithful. You are loving. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to bless this time amongst the women. Lord, may your presence be felt and may your love be understood. And Lord, thank you for loving us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for that he rose again, that he sits at your right hand interceding for us. And Lord, thank you that you take our babblings, our stutterings, our stammerings, and that you make them to your glory. Lord, we ask these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.